Ladies and gentlemen, David Morissuti has allowed me to do the intro again, so this is going to be a disaster, probably. We will see. Um, our guest today was nice enough to come on to talk a little bit of Raptors and whatever else we, uh, we have come across. Uh, you know her from Sportsnet 590, the fan starting a lineup. And if you were me, like a lacrosse fan, you will know her from her work with the NLL. Ashley Docking is with us today. Ash, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. And that intro was very good. I think uh, we should get it all going forward. Uh, mediocre vote, at best. I appreciate vote. it, though. <laughs> I was going to say, if there <laughs> is somebody that knows whether an intro is done properly yeah. or not, it's probably you. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. So, Raptors. Um, how, I don't even know how to feel about this, because we are, we like to talk hockey on here, and obviously we had another team that had a 3-2 lead, um... Didn't go so well for them. The Raptors last night, obviously, a uh, bit of a big loss to the 76ers. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to feel. How should we feel? How about Game 7? Uh, uh, game 6, should... Game 7. <laughs> well, I think Game 6 is over. Um, yeah. You can feel however you want to feel about it, but moving forward, Game 7, you should probably feel as though it's not too big of a surprise yeah. um, for a matchup that quite frankly, has been back and forth the entire time. And I think if you were someone who thought that this game wasn't going to go six or seven, uh, there wasn't going to be ebbs and flows, then I don't really know what teams you've been watching throughout the regular season. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it, it just feels like every game in this series has been one Raptors team and then a totally different Raptors team. You get the game one, really good Raptors. The game two... Not so good, but not bad, like good enough that they were able to keep it close. And then you get the really bad Raptors, and then the good, ra somewhat better Raptors, and the good Raptors. It's just been an up and down swing. There's not been a consistency to it. So I think we would probably say a consistency has been the problem for this team. Um, is that the feel you get that consistency, be t not from Kawhi? I think we can all say Kawhi has <laughs> been pretty much consistently good, but has consistency been the big issue from? everyone outside of him? Um, maybe to a certain extent. I mean, Pascal Siak has been quite consistent throughout this whole mm -hmm. postseason. I think that you can say Marc Gasol has been super consistent on the defensive end, even if he's leaving a little bit to be desired offensively. But I think two of the games that we saw them struggle with the most, and Game 6 included, is just missing wide-open three-point opportunities. And that's just how it goes sometimes. This Toronto Raptors team has been really good at shooting the three since the trade that since um all-star break excuse me and so it's something that you should be feel confident in and when they're going to get those open looks of course they have to pull from distance you just you have to take shots that people are giving you especially when they're shots that say danny green can definitely make kyle lowry can definitely make but they've ran into some trouble they've gotten cold behind the line on a number of occasions and that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Um, another area of, uh, I guess, coming into the season, another area that was looked at as a strength for the Raptors was definitely the bench. Um, as we've gone along in the season, that hasn't looked as strong as the bench mob from last year. Um, you lose OG Ananobi at the start, uh, over the last little stretch. Um, how big do you think the bench struggles have been? Is it something that's being overblown, or is it something that is a real issue for the Raptors? Well, the Raptors bench mob 
went extinct as soon as Pascal Siakam was introduced to the starting lineup at the beginning of the season. I mean, I think more than anything, what we learned was that he was the catalyst for change in games last year, and it wasn't, although you had a bench group who was even sticking with the opponent starters or protecting leads. This group was going out and taking leads, winning games, and without Pascal Siakam to add that energy and that athleticism and what's become a scoring touch, it's just, it, it ain't it. It just really isn't. Yeah. And yeah, OG Ananobi not being in the mix is a factor, but quite frankly, his season's been a little bit up and down. You talk about inconsistencies. Well, that's someone that's been extremely inconsistent. And listen, his year's been really tough. He's been in and out of the lineup, not only with injuries, but he's dealt with a lot of, of family tragedy. And so it's hard to go through something like that, come back, perform at a high level all for a young player who's 21 years old and still trying to grow um i don't i think that he would definitely be a boost for them if and when he's able to come back during this postseason run but i mean fred van bleet's been struggling he's acknowledged as much norman powell is kind of a mixed bag you never know what you're going to get i think the bright spot though in this particular series with the 76ers has been serge Ibaka. and you guys what can you say about someone who really just had a resurgent year in his career. Like, everyone carried him out. No one wanted him to touch the ball. They were treating him like he was a poor man's JV, and it was really disrespectful. But this guy came out and just absolutely turned it around this year. And then on top of it, the Raptors go get Marc Gasol, demote Serge Ibaka to the bench, and he still comes and brings mid-range jump shots. He's still blocking the ball. He's still protecting the rim. He's still, to a certain extent, providing some perimeter defense. Um, He's definitely uh, a bright spot coming off the bench, for sure. How big was that elbow, do you think, by Kawhi? That seemed to have turned Serge's entire series around. What do you mean? Because <laughs> he, he got elbowed from his own teammate, it turned his series around? Yes. No. Uh, I don't. <laughs> think that that's I don't the think thing so. that no, I'm more in agreement with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a take. It wasn't a good one. <laughs> well, I do think, though, that, you know, he, he had a good humor about it. I mean, I didn't think... He, he said Ibaka his modeling was... career was over? Yeah. yeah. He's got a good... Yeah, he's... but the, the, the thing is with guys is that, you know, scarves just add to their appeal, whereas women have to go hide with scarves over their faces if their skin isn't flawless. I mean, the modeling career might be done, but he's a good personality. That YouTube series is going to go strong after his career is done. The chef's hat will hide it, probably. <laughs> would you ever eat anything that Serge would offer in those shows to you? Yeah, why not? Wow. <laughs> you, you guys wouldn't? There's a You know what? If it's put on a pizza like he did for Kawhi, yeah. probably. Uh, but if it's just on its own, I can't do things like that on its own. Like, cow tongue isn't that weird. A lot of different cultures yes, cook yeah, it, eat it, serve it. Uh, chicken foot is pretty popular as well in a lot of different places. Um, like, innards and gizzards and stuff like that, it's yeah. not that foreign to me personally. So I honestly don't think it's that bad. I think it's just, like, a lot of really like a lot of really scared white people who are like, oh, we just had chicken fingers growing up and uh, we're not sure what any of these ingredients are and it makes them uncomfortable. That hit a little too close to home there. And you, and it's almost... Because <laughs> you put ketchup on your steak. Hey, Sorry. no, whoa, whoa <laughs> there. <laughs> no, just the chicken fingers. Uh-huh. Uh. But, and so, Ashley, going into game seven, I mean, 
this is not a game that many Rash fans were probably thinking about, especially a couple of days ago. Um, what is going to be the thing you're looking forward to the most about this game seven? A win. Uh, yeah. To right. not be have to talking about the Vince Carter graduation game in 2001 anymore if the Raptors are able to pull this off against yeah. the 76ers. Um, I think one of the biggest things for this is going to be the start of Kyle Lowry. You know, a lot of people want to give this guy slack for his perceived shortcomings, um, his lack of offense, uh, I guess his inconsistency as a whole. But I really love the body of work that Kyle Lowry has put together. And this team is significantly better with the trio of Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyle Lowry on the floor at all times throughout the series. If he's able to push the pace, if he's able to kind of set the tone early, I think it bodes well for the Raptors. And I don't remember the exact percentage, but I think it's like pushing 80% of teams who win game sevens at home. So it's the Raptors game to lose really. And you don't really play for much during the regular season, but home court advantage in game seven is something that you can say the regular season was worth it because it puts Toronto really in a, in a good position in this game against Philly. Who's the one player? I know you brought up, you know, Kyle and Danny Green. Who's other than Kawhi? Who's the one guy you think can have a surprising game seven in terms of, you know, really elevating their play to another level? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it would be a surprise if any of the starters elevated their games. I mean, they've all had their moments. Even someone like Fred Van Vliet had his moment in game, I think it was game five, when he kind of bodied Jimmy Butler, who was trying to post up, and then switched on to Joel Embiid, stripped the ball, went the other way. So so he's acknowledged his struggles, but he had his moments. I guess the only thing I could say is that Mark Gasol producing a little bit more on offense would be nice, and it would probably take a little bit of pressure off Kawhi Leonard. But at the end of the day, like, if they win, it's going to be because of Kawhi. So... Now, I actually wanted to talk a little bit of something not Raptors related, and that's kind of your journey through your media career. Um, I listened to oh. your podcast with uh, with Toronto Mike, and I and you know um, I know the work you do over at the at Sportsnet because uh, once in a while when I'm in during the day, I do see you come onto the web desk side uh, and talk with Drew. Um, but just don't tell Drew that I was late. Shout out Drew. Shout out Purdue, as he's now known as Producer Drew. Um, what was um, the moment that you were offered um, this position as to be a host on the starting lineup? Um, I know that you had done a lot of TV work. Uh, you've done stuff. With, I know Austin's going to ask you some lacrosse stuff, and you've yeah. done work, and you still do work there. Um, but did you ever envision of having – a career as a as a radio host especially as a one of the main chair hosts so first of all please show some respect to drew put some respect on his name he is the youtube manager i believe yes over at sportsnet so producer he is the drew, like no disrespect to producers but let's give him the regal title he deserves we know from watching game of thrones how important titles are oh, yes. so with that out of the way um no, I didn't see myself as a radio host. I mean, I don't really think it's like a lot. I don't think it's really a title that a ton of people aspire to. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure why. Maybe it's because there aren't really too many positions available or maybe it's kind of a daunting task, especially for women, because you don't really see other females 
in this role. Um, but, you know, I was thrilled when I started doing radio. Uh, it was kind of an unexpected opportunity that was given to me. And I just ran with it. So it's quickly becoming, you know, one of the favorite things that I've ever done. And I love the group of guys that I work with. So um, I'm happy that I kind of stumbled into it and was able to, you know, advance my career in that field. And I know you also do some work uh, on the digital side with Drew, who is the YouTube manager. That is correct. There you go. Uh, you, you <laughs> do the, it down this time. You do the Raptors game day. I know there's been a rotation between you. Uh, there's been Faisal Kamisa, Danielle Michaud. Um, and I know the digital, we call him the digital manager. I call him the digital, uh, senior di- digital video producer, I believe is the, his title, Graham. Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, Graham's awesome. Um how do you, I, I know that's something you, you like to do because I know you like to do the video work. Um, was that something um, when you were presented that opportunity, was it something that um, you saw as, you know, you still get to do your radio stuff, but you, it's kind of like you still get to do your video on top of that as well? Um, yeah, I mean, that's literally exactly what it was. It was mm-hmm. just another outlet I guess a different medium potentially reaching a different audience but I mean the more you can do in this industry and I'm sure you guys know this <laughs> the more that you can do the more diverse your skill set the more you um, can contribute to the company that you work for and so the fact that they trusted me to you know jump on this new initiative it uh, it was exciting what if you had to give somebody a young uh, person that wants to get into media? One, I know it's you've probably been asked this question before, and it's probably you wouldn't have one piece of advice. But what would you tell somebody that you know gets told, and I get told this too, is that you know opportunities are hard to come by, and it's really hard to get a good career in sports. What would you tell somebody that was kind of looking for some uh, some advice from someone like yourself? I don't think it's hard to get a good job in sports. I think it's hard to consistently work as hard as you have to to be involved in the sports industry. It's something that never stops. It's all-encompassing. It's 12 months of the year. It's more than 12 hours of the day. Um, You have to just really want it, and you can't be lazy. I think that that's kind of where it starts, and... I would also say probably don't be a, think you're above any opportunity. You never know who you'll meet. You never know what you'll be good at until you try. And uh, kind of to your earlier point about me finding my way into radio, you'll never know um, what you'll, you know, get your first really big um, national opportunity doing if you're saying no to things because you're either scared or you thought it wasn't, quote unquote, in your past. Um, I want to jump over to the lacrosse side because we don't get to talk a lot about it. And he tells me that every episode, by the way, it's just so you know. Well, geez. Is that what? We don't talk about it a lot? That I don't talk about lacrosse a lot. We don't get to talk about the rock or a lot of that side that I love so much a lot. I deprive Austin. That's basically what he's trying to say. Yeah. Um, I like to try and talk it on the podcast as much. Anyway. Um. And you should. Good for you. Yep. Yeah. So just. Force it down people's throats, Austin. (laughs) I'm trying my best. We'll, uh, 
one person at a time we're trying to convert over to lacrosse. <laughs> Fighting uh, the good fight. Yeah, well, you're doing a better job than I am. Obviously, you hopped over to um, the NLL, uh, I believe it was last season. Uh, you were able to work at, on the desk with them doing all the stories. Now you've um, hopped over to a role between the benches when they made the deal with Ble Ble Words, Bleacher Report Live. Um, yep. What has the change been like, I guess, in uh, just going from working that desk and uh, doing daily features to uh, just being right in between and in the action? Um, I don't really know how to answer that. It's just not my job anymore. So that's the major difference is that instead oh. of doing the NOL, I work for the fan. So yeah. my attentions have changed. I don't know. Being a sideline reporter is different because it's exciting. It's game day. You never know what you're going to expect. Um, it was cool working for the NLL with Tyson Geick and being able to, you know, curate whatever content that we wanted to. We didn't get a ton of direction from the league when I started. So we were able to create a content schedule of whatever we thought fans would like and fans would want. Um, it was a lot of work. There were not a lot of resources. So it was a little bit tedious, but it wasn't thankless. Um, I think a lot of lacrosse fans, they really received the the show that we created relax really well and so it was it was nice to kind of get into editing and producing and see projects all the way through which is something when you're on air you don't really get the opportunity to do as much but it was a lot of work like I don't think not to kind of chew my own horn but you know Tyson and I worked really really hard when we were for the NLL and um it, it was worth it for sure but it was it was sometimes it was tireless yeah. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, the thankless job is for sure. And uh, quickly, thank you, because you saved my bacon. Um, we first time we met at the NLL draft, because you gave uh, right? you gave me a story idea, and we ended up running it, and everyone loved it. So what was you. it? The one with um, the family from Buffalo that came down for the draft. Oh my God! Yeah. Okay. So it's so funny. I just saw. That family, when Buffalo was here last, okay. I don't know what it was, like a month ago or something. Yeah. Uh, one of the daughters, her name's Steph, I follow her on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So they're like the sweetest family. The daughters are so nice. The yeah. mom and dad are so cute. So, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I actually remember that now that you mention it. Yeah. Um, it was, sorry, I might seem a little weird here, but that um, was that your first chance to sort of take in the NLL, uh, an event like that? No, I covered major series across. Okay. Uh, since 2012, maybe. Okay. So I've been around the game for quite a long time. It wasn't my yeah. uh, first experience with that. I've been out of major series for a couple of years, so excuse my ignorance on that one. Okay. Um, just <laughs> being able to be around the sport, I mean, what is one thing that's important to get across to fans when you're talking about lacrosse that maybe doesn't get uh, as much mainstream attention? I think the, probably the biggest thing is that, like, these guys work real jobs, yeah. right? Like, some of the young guys live in market, and the teams put them up and things like that. But for the majority of it, I think maybe, maybe like, 80 to 90% of guys, they all have full-time jobs. And, um, you know, I think that people know it, but it's not really emphasized enough that not only do they work Monday to Friday, they have to go for a practice, and then they miss work on Friday if there's a game, and then they travel back home on Saturday, and then you know, Sunday, get ready for work again. And it's just a never ending cycle. 
and it goes on for quite a long time. So no one does this job to get rich. No one really does this job for notoriety. It's literally all for love of the game. And um, that's probably one of the most commendable things about these guys. Like lacrosse is not a soft sport, right? Yeah. Like we know this. People are getting hacked and jabbed and prodded and punched. And the the vitriol that goes back and forth between the benches is it's second to none, the chirping, let's just say, from guys <laughs> in the NLL. You, you so, would know better than I would. I Yes, I have been quickly educated on uh, the quick wits of some of these players, let's just call it. But yeah, I think that's the thing is that they just really, really love it. And hopefully one day it will turn into a situation where it's not as uh, much of a fringe sport as I think it is now. You were able to cover the rock this year and it wasn't such a great year uh, last year, as we know, right. you and I, but eight and one at home this year, uh, you were able to see a lot of great moments, a couple overtime wins. Um, what has it been like just to be around the team this year? Um, I mean, I'm not really like, I'm around them on game days, just like yeah. you, but otherwise I don't really like spend that much time at the track or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and like also their season last year wasn't all that bad. They got kind of stifled with that huge injury of Tom Schreiber, which derailed them. But mm. You know, they were kind of off to a pretty good start, as I remember it. They Remember when they slaughtered Vancouver? Yeah, they, so what was they that? They put most... up like 20, 21 or 25 goals or something like that. I like was... I got in trouble for that game, actually, really? for talking about how much they absolutely just wow. shit-kicked Vancouver. I remember that night I was watching the game and I was still interning at 590. And they were beating them so bad that I told the... Uh, the update anchor that they had to run it and we kept running updates on it because it was like they'd score like five goals every five minutes it was ridiculous yeah it was a slaughter but um yeah i don't know being around the team is cool like the guys are really nice the staff's wonderful the access to the players and coaching staff is really unparalleled from anything that i've covered and you know i've been to you know a number of raptors games or nba summer league or working for the oilers or whatever the case may be like the access to lacrosse players is obviously going to be uh, much easier and they they really embrace it and they honestly make my job so much easier just because of how willing they are to be open and honest with me. I have one more thing because I think Dave wanted to ask something. Um, sure. After the first game, I remember we had a quick chat and you mentioned that the um, in between the benches, there's no gate, so you had to jump over. As um, I'm assuming you've become a master now at getting over the gate. Yeah, like, put me in the Olympics for hurdles at this point, <laughs> God damn it, Or at least steeplechase or something like that. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's fine. It, the only thing, it just limits my outfit choices. Obviously, no skirts, no dresses. Not trying to really, like, slash anyone over Bleacher Report Live. Do you feel me? Yeah, no, I gotcha. <laughs> Not really good for the old image. Or is it? I don't know. It just depends on what image I'm trying to cultivate, oh, yeah. I guess. I don't know if then. you want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> So I got uh, two questions. Uh, um, one is is I did I do know that the Rock are playing Buffalo in the yeah. East final. I have been wow. keeping tabs. So how did I That's forget great, that question? Great research. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I, I've been keeping. I mean, Austin. <laughs> she would have. It's mainly she would have flamed me worse if I if I had said that. Don't um, worry. But who do you have a prediction for the game? Oh no, I don't. I don't really like predictions. To be honest with you. Um, I th- well, if, did you guys see? Well, maybe only Austin saw the video that the Buffalo Bandits had put out about oh, how yeah. they're going to be like out for blood and yeah. how like they hate the I, Toronto Rock. I love that. And, 
it was like a pretty aggressive hype video with yeah. really like those those are fighting words kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it's just going to be a slugfest, honestly. And I probably think it's going to come down to the team that's able to toe the line between being aggressive and answering the bell when it comes to stepping up physically, but not going over the line and giving the other team opportunity on the power play too many times. Okay. And the last question, Sunday. Now, it complicates my Sunday, too, because I'm a big Game of Thrones person. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also working on the desk that night at Sportsnet, so it's not like I can just watch Game of Thrones while I'm editing someone's column. But um, does that impact your Sunday and whether you will watch Game of Thrones while the Raptors game is on? Um, well, I think the Raptors game is going to be earlier in the afternoon, so it shouldn't be yes. too much of a crossover, especially if there's going to be three Game 7s. I believe if the Rockets win tonight, yeah. then... Yeah. Well, tonight's Friday. I don't know when you guys release it, so I don't want to date it, but... <laughs> If the Rockets win on Friday, then it'll be three Game 7s on Sunday. So I think the Raptors game won't coincide with Game of Thrones. Um, it'll be another game. But, I mean, I'm not really – I'm like a new recent Game of Thrones person, so I can probably wait until Monday. I mean, it's probably more important that I watch basketball so I can <laughs> do my job on Monday as opposed to satisfying my appetite to see who's going to rule Westeros, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna say you come home from your radio show, you take a nap, and then you're able to watch Game of Thrones after. I know that. The exactly. Yeah. How how is that grind of waking up? I, I never I've heard about like people waking up super early in the morning and you have that. Early are we start are we time. keeping you up right now? <laughs> no, I was napping all day. Okay, cool. Fine. I woke up at like two p.m. Wow, yeah, that's like when I wake up. Except I don't actually have to work a national show and do all that stuff so yeah. uh it's not it's not too bad like i mean obviously it's hella early but um i mean you're i'm done at nine so i basically still have another full day to do How whatever i want to do which is nice it's kind of extended my life is every that, day is two days is that odd though just sort of uh, i don't know how to phrase this but doing the show and then getting out and you're done work and it's still 9 a.m and you're like it's so much time for activities now the rest of my day Stepbrothers. Yeah. Well, so much room for activity. Yeah. Um, Look at how free no, my schedule not, is. I guess it was weird a little bit when I first started, but it's yeah. kind of good, I guess, because you can just do whatever you want. You have all the time in the world. Well, you have the reverse grind for me. I have the good old working till either midnight, 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. So <laughs> that's part of the reason why I, I do watch uh, a lot of the clips and stuff because it's part of my job to know what's going on. Um, so you're doing a fantastic job on the radio, I will say. Um, and you, I, oh, you sound so surprised. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> no, I, I try to... No, I... <laughs> oh, no, I'm, ne I'm not never surprised. And, and you know what, because I always listened to you when you were doing, uh, even before you got the full time, when you were do covering for um, Good Show and Jeff Blair, um, I felt right, it, was, right. it was a long time coming to have... Uh, your voice on the radio because um, I know you did a lot of the night shows as well and those are always a grind too yeah so um, you guys gotta stop complaining about this night stuff like I loved bad. the night shows you could get away with so much more that's and I true. felt like you could really just like exercise your creative muscles because there's no real 
outline to the show, right? Like you can kind of do whatever you want at the time. Like with the morning show, we have reads and contests and segments and bits yeah. and guests that you have to fit in. The yeah. night show, you can just do whatever it is that you want. So you got to start thinking about it in a more of a positive light, you guys. Come well, on now. The positive part is that the guys who are able to do the night show now that I've been seeing, you know, guys like Sam McKee. Uh, I know Josh Goldberg Josh was doing Goldberg the afternoon show, show with uh, Rob today. So those guys get their chance. Uh, I know that not all producers want to be producers forever, so it's good to hear them on the uh, yeah. On the shout out side. those guys. They were uh, well. I knew them from when I was an intern, but they're all great guys. So uh, I, I I definitely know that they uh, there's always a good opportunity uh, if you're willing to do those nights as well as I found out in my line for of work. sure. So uh, Ashley, we want to thank you very much uh, for coming on. Uh, hopefully when we hopefully talk to you in the future again, it won't be about another game seven where the Raptors have uh, lost to the 76ers. Cause we know what happened the last time mm-hmm. we won't talk about that graduation <sighs> stuff. It's only been 18 years. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We're not holding any kind of yeah, burden or we're all right. at all. It's fine. It's normal. It's we're fine. not insecure inside. Everything will be fine. Yes. <laughs> so we want to thank you again for coming on and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Man, thanks, guys. I had fun. Uh, Have a great day. Thanks, Ash.